Coming to you live from Jurassic Park, it's the Dockovers Podcast. Episode 88, Mexican Jenny Had a Way with Cats. In this episode, we've got RPG prompts, a three-box pulp problem, and commentary. And now, let's get on with the show. Yo, hey, watch out. Don't step in that dinosaur crap. That's terrible. It's nasty. It stinks. Hello there, folks. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Doc Cross. It is, as I'm recording this, May 31st, but as you're listening to it, it will be the third week in June, and I can already tell you, without knowing in advance what the weather is really going to be like, it's probably hot. We've had a relatively cool spring, and in recent years, that always signals that we're going to have a hot as hell summer, so there you go. I hope things have been going well for all of you around here. Things are going great. My garden is doing well. My small veggie plot, which is only a few tomato plants, uh, three pepper plants, I got a watermelon, a cantaloupe, I got some beans. Uh, they all seem to be doing pretty well. My gladiolus are finely blooming and they look great. Pictures of most of these plants will be on my Facebook page, so you can go over there and have a look. And mostly what I want to do right now is thank my patrons who give money every month to keep the blog, the podcast, me, things I need to buy, all of it going. They're wonderful, they're generous, and I thank them so much. So thank you, Peter. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Marion. Thank you, James. Thank you, Bruce. And thank you, Avis. You guys are absolutely excellent. Okay, as we do every other week, we're on to RPG prompts. And the ones we have today are Banner, Couple, and Orcs. So the first one, Banner, can pretty much mean some sort of sign, some sort of banner up to announce something. And that could be used in any sort of genre you want. They've had them for a long time. Could be a banner proclaiming, you know, the king is coming to town, everybody clean up your shit. Could be a banner in a uh, pulp game, you know, for a holiday or a sale at a store or announcing a circus or something like that. You can work your villains into this somehow, especially with a circus or some sort of traveling entertainment. Could be a banner for a new show on Broadway. In modern times, you've got banners advertising mattresses on sale and you know school cookie drives and all that sort of thing. You can work them in things. You could also have banners that have secret messages in them. Maybe your group of adventurers, whether it's pulp or fantasy or modern-day spy, whatever, they're told, go downtown, you'll see three banners on three different stores. Take the third word from each banner, and that gives you a short message, and that's going to be real important. 
So then you figure out what the message is, you make up three banners, and you're good to go. You could also use a banner as, say, wrapping for a dead body. Maybe Joe, the used car salesman, got killed, and they wrapped his body in the banner for his dealership, and they tossed him in a river. Why? What the hell is Joe up to? Who knows? But you know who he is, you know where he works. You saw it on a banner. You can have banners for military use. You know, there's our banner. We're the army of the people up the hill, or we're the army of the hated Nazis, or whatever. They could be flying banners. That was a big deal back in the old days. So that's some of the things you could do with banners. They're not quite as diverse in usage as other things, but that happens sometimes. Now, our next RPG prompt is couple, and that is full of all sorts of use. You can have anything from a couple like Nick and Nora Charles, the detectives who argued and bantered and drank all the time. You could have a couple that's in love and it's some sort of tragic thing separating them. Their families are fighting. Or, oh, the young guy has got to go off to battle or something like that. Um, you could have a couple that hate each other. And they are trying to kill each other. And in a supers game, that could cause a lot of collateral damage. And your people have to go out and stop them. Nuclear man is fighting his wife, Frost Woman. They're freezing things and blowing things up, causing all kinds of problems. You could have a couple in your gaming group as either players or as characters. I once had a couple in my group. They were, in fact, married. But during the course of the game, she, who was playing an Amazon, had to seduce another character who was playing a young sorceress. And while it did not get graphic, it got very intense. And they decided that maybe these two characters are lesbians and blah, blah, blah. And I thought it was great role-playing. And one of the other guys in the group thought it was great role-playing. But the lady's husband and the boyfriend of the lady playing the sorceress, they kind of got a little weird about it. They kind of, you know, I'm going to try and convince her to come to my tent and blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to show her what a man can really do for her, et cetera, et cetera. The women, who, by the way, were not lesbian and were not in real life attracted to one another sexually, as far as I know, they thought it was great fun to keep this up and even hold hands at the table and stuff just to mess with their significant others who were kind of being dicks. So you could have characters who are a couple. You probably, at some point, will have a real-life couple of some form. Uh, sometimes, you know, the real-life ones are harder to deal with than the characters because maybe one player's really great and the other one's not so great, or one player's a person you like having around, the other one maybe not so much. But getting back to couples in games, you can be helping the young couple to get back together. You could be trying to stop the fighting couple from fighting. You could be trying to help a couple who should have got divorced 20 damn years ago get divorced. You might have a couple in the sense that my wife or my husband has gone off searching for the lost pyramid of whoever, and he's not come back. I want to hire you all to go get him. 
or you may have in a pulp game or a supers game or even a spy game, you might have a couple who are both evil masterminds and you've got to stop them and maybe they have each other's back or maybe they're one of those couples that's drifted apart and they suddenly realize, you know what, I can pull off a better world-threatening deal than he can. And then boom, 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 you got two evil masterminds just up in their game every time they look at each other and your characters are having to stop all this. So yeah, couples, as in real life, can be useful, interesting, frustrating, funny, and yeah, sexy. Now we come to orcs. And orcs are standard staple to D&D and many other fantasy games and have been right from the get-go. They were, of course, lifted from J.R.R. Tolkien, who lifted them from legends and fairy tales and whatnot. In my world, years ago, I decided to change orcs from being these ravenous idiots who usually work for somebody who can beat them down, or they just are ravaging the countryside in large numbers. I decided that orcs were traitors. They would be more like the Ferengi on Star Trek were. They were out to make a buck. However, I also made my orcs scrupulously honest. If an orc told you that this item is worth 300 gold pieces, by golly, it's worth 300 or close to it. If an orc told you that he would deliver something, he'll deliver it. And if he can't deliver it, he will give you your money back plus a little more. On the other hand, if you tell an orc, yeah, we'll bring you this, or we'll accompany your caravan, and then you screw up, they're going to expect payment like the money they paid you for doing it, or more, or whatever. So my orcs are traders, and my orcs are business people. And yeah, they can fight, but they generally hire mercenaries to do that. In most fantasy games, especially D&D, Orcs are just something to throw at the characters. Maybe when you can't think of anything else. Maybe when they stumble into an orc village, which they've been known to do. Or they could be in a mixed group of orcs, trolls, goblins, hobgoblins, whatever. And they're just building up an army to attack the good, ordinary people in a fantasy world. And of course, in D&D, you can have half-orcs who are sort of like Blade, the vampire hunter, in that they have all the good stuff about orcs and not as much of the bad stuff. So they got the strength, they got the viciousness, they got the desire to fight, whatever, but they're pretty nice and they're mostly civilized and you can take them out in public a little easier. So that's orcs, that's couples, and that's banners, and those were the RPG prompts this time around, and we'll see what I pull out of the bag next time. And speaking of pulling things out of bags, or in this case, boxes, three of them, I've done it again for a three-box problem, a three-box pulp problem, that is. And the ones I pulled out today were aliens, art thefts, and China. So this is pulp, so it's the 1930s. Uh, you got shit going on in China, Shanghai, wherever. You know, there's a lot of presence of Europeans in some of those areas. And you got art thefts going on. So China has a lot of valuable artwork and stuff that could be stolen. 
But where do you fit the aliens in? Well, of course, the aliens are there to screw around and make it more difficult for people to concentrate on these art thefts. The police, the government, whatever, they're investigating these sightings of guys who apparently are coming from outer space and they're jumping out of a spaceship and they're zapping people with some sort of ray gun and it knocks the people down and then they go into the village and they steal a bunch of weird items and then they take off. Meanwhile, back in Shanghai or Beijing or wherever, Hong Kong, somebody is stealing great artwork and lo and behold, it looks like the art thefts are happening whenever the aliens make a landing somewhere. So while the government is running around chasing aliens, somebody in a Chinese government or maybe somebody in the American government or British government or whatever hires your group of two-fisted adventurers to do something about the art thefts. And then they find out the two are connected, and then they have to find out where these ships are coming from that apparently float through the air and land in a village or a town and scare the hell out of everybody, how they're doing it, what's behind it, all that sort of stuff. And that would be actually a pretty good adventure. Or, if you want to really make it weird, you have aliens who are actually doing the art thefts. A saucer lands outside a palace or an important building or a museum in China, and the aliens, who are obviously not human, not humans in disguise or anything like that, they're obviously aliens, they go in and they start stealing art. Now, what kind of art they're stealing is up to you. Maybe they're just stealing rare ceramic work, or maybe they're stealing actual paintings, or maybe they're stealing carved wood or any number of things they could be stealing, but it's all worth a lot of money. It's all rare. And aliens, real no-shit aliens, are stealing it, and then they're taking off in a flying saucer. And what are they doing with it? Well, that's up to you. Personally, I might say, oh, these aren't aliens. These are robots from the future who have come back to steal these items because they know after a war or a flood or something like that, these items are going to be lost to history. So by stealing them and bringing them back to the future, they have them. So they can say, oh, look what we found inside a hidden vault in a Hong Kong warehouse. All this artwork, except they used robots to steal it in the past. Anyway, that is our three-box problem for this time, and I hope you liked it. And we've got more coming up in a couple of weeks. Now on to commentary, and this is commentary about what to do next as far as role-playing. Now, for the past few weeks, I haven't been doing any. I think I have a role-playing session coming up in my D&D game where we're an evil bunch of bastards. I think that's coming up right around June 5th or something like that. But I don't know for sure. But that's not important. Because I know that game is going to happen sooner or later. What I'm trying to figure out to do next is with my D&D game that's on hiatus because half my party, half my players are leaving. They'll be moving to New Mexico the end of June. And my other players are on vacation and they're doing family things and whatnot. So they may not be ready to play for another couple of months. Now, originally, I was going to run a pulp D&D sort of game. But I kept finding problems with it. I kept seeing areas where I knew they would either lean into the fantasy 
more than I wanted to, or lean into the pulp portion more than I wanted to, and I could see the mixture of pulp and fantasy not quite engaging them like it should. So then I thought, well, you know, I really like Castle Falkenstein. I think maybe it's a little heavy on the fantasy, but what if I just run a pure old steampunk type game set in the real world of the uh, 1890s, and I drop them into it, and I call it Agents and Empires. Now, I came up with this idea years and years ago, and I've always wanted to run it, but I haven't gotten the chance. So the whole idea is that we live in a world like in Castle Falkenstein, where there are vast empires. And in my instance, my vision of this, there is the United States, there is the Republic of Texas, which includes most of Louisiana, a good chunk of Mexico, some of Oklahoma, a little bit of New Mexico, and a couple of Caribbean islands. Then there's the Bear Flag Republic of California. This came about because Emperor Norton, aided by Mark Twain and a couple of others, jokingly wanted to have him run for emperor. And he did, and he got elected. Everybody thought, ha ha, we'll just elect this guy as emperor. And no, he became a very valued and beloved ruler. Now, about that time, Texas was taking over big chunks of Mexico using steam weaponry and a little bit of magic and whatnot. So the rest of Mexico said, oh, hell no. We're going to ally with California because, A, California is extremely wealthy. It's got tons of gold, and it's got more magic than anybody else. And their technology is a little ahead. We're going to hook up with them. So the Bear Flag Empire covers western Mexico for a long way. It covers all of what would have been um, Arizona. It goes up into southern Utah and southern Nevada. It goes north into Oregon and Washington along the coast. And it is a mighty powerhouse. Of course, you've also got you know the British Empire, a French Empire, a German Empire, a Russian Empire, Chinese, everybody's got a damn empire. What the players will be doing is working both for their own country as intelligence agents and also for a whole other level of intelligence. And that is an organization that was formed years ago to include agents from every empire all dedicated to keeping any one empire from getting the edge over any others and occasionally to stop things from going bad or prevent wars and stuff like this. So they're agents for their own empires, but they're also agents for basically a world empire or at least a world intelligence agency. Now, because this has very, 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 very limited magic, and it has cool steam technology, and it is basically a pulp-slash-spy sort of game, I think they'll get into it. Right off the bat, the steam technology will appeal to my one player, who is a retired engineer, 
And the spy stuff will probably appeal to the other one, which is her significant other. So I think it'll work out all right. I'm not sure how long this will run. I'm not sure what we'll do. I'm not even sure when we're going to start. But that's what is coming up next, as far as I know, for me running games. There is always a possibility that someone's going to say, Hey, Doc, could you run a D&D game for us? And I might do that on the side, too. But as it stands, this Agents and Empires will be every other week, and it'll alternate with the game I play in. So I'll be back to playing every week like I was for a long, long, long time. And that is commentary, and I hope I didn't bore you too much with it. All right, folks, it is the end of the program. It is time for me to thank you all, and of course, I thank you very much for listening. If you have any suggestions, comments, or questions, I can be reached on Facebook, where I'm Doc Cross, on WordPress at the Dockerverse blog, via email at agentroscoe at gmail.com. If you're listening via Anchor, you can leave a voicemail, and you patrons can leave a message on my Patreon page, and they will send me a text about it, and... It'll be easy for me to get right back to you and comment. If you would like to support me via Patreon and hear these podcasts really truly about two months before they go up on Anchor, go to www.patreon.com forward slash dot cross. If you would like to sponsor this podcast or advertise on it, get in touch with me by any of the methods I mentioned earlier. If you would like to make a one-time donation, not sign up like patrons do, but just do a one-time donation of whatever, you can go to my Ko-fi page. That's K-O-F-I. And just look up DocCross4591. And go ahead and pledge whatever you want to do. Just a one-time, or you can do it a couple times. Whenever you think about it, that's up to you. And thank you, by the way. Our music was Blues Blast by John DeLay off of Google Music. This podcast and everything on it, except the music, is copyright 2022 by Doc Cross. I hope you all have a good week. I'll see you next week. Live long and prosper.